0: It's the Beckler and Shauna podcast, your daily download of X ninety two Nights, X mornings with Beckler and Shauna. Brought to you by Shane Homes, offering affordable customization on your new home. Uh, nice. <laughs> it's Wednesday, January seventeenth, twenty twenty four. I'm Beckler. I'm Shauna. Nice little burp to get us going there, Shauna. Sorry,
1: I'm sorry. I've just finished eating, and we we try to do we're try we we do a lot of multitasking in the studio. Okay,
0: so a lot of like bites in between breaks.
1: Yep. And- when you can, and peeing when you can, and then you're holding it for hours sometimes. it's Yeah, it's
0: a lot. It happens to both of us, too, sometimes. We're like... You need about 45 seconds to get a bite of protein bar down before you could talk again. Yeah. You don't realize that, but we've learned the hard way. We sure have. Where you'll take a bite and then look at the clock and be like, 25 seconds, crap, I've made a huge mistake.
1: There has been times <laughs> yeah. where you'll hear one of us sound like maybe we're noodling out a few things. Like, I've a couple times I remember I saw you took a giant bite and I would start and I'd just keep going for a little while to give you more time before you could speak.
0: And I'm furiously chewing with this terrified just, look on my face. You turn off
1: your mic and... <laughs> Trying to get through it. It's it's always fun.
0: (laughs) Do a quick set of jaw. (laughs) I think one time when you you weren't here, Shauna, I ran out out of the studio and spit my bite into the garbage because I was like, I'm not going to make it Mm -hmm. otherwise. Yeah,
1: I've done it here before in front of you, but luckily you haven't (laughs) caught it where I've just spit it back (laughs) out.
0: Yeah. Time waits for no one. Uh, No matter how hungry you are. On today's show, a Heritage Moment since it's Wednesday. Rachel Notley stepping down as NDP leader, so you can imagine what we're going to say about that, What which segment that one's going to fall into. You betcha. Apparently, there is a term that some people don't want you using as often as you might be. It's horse crap. I found this to be a bit ridiculous. We'll see what you think. Shauna thinks surprise parties need to die. Uh, that and more after you're out of context clip. Hey, can I park oh, my, my denim God. gremlin in here for a while? She's getting a little ripe. In- the Beckler and Shauna podcast. So, one of my neighbors drives a uh, Ford F 150, kind of around the same model year as mine, except his is the Harley Davidson edition. Oh, yeah. And I always thought that partnership was a little bit funny. Mm-hmm. A motorcycle themed truck. I know. It's like, but you guys already make motorcycles. I guess maybe it's saying, like, this is what motorcycle fans drive when they aren't on their motorcycle. Right. And Harley is the kind of brand that I think fans will buy anything that bears oh, its logo, yeah. right? Yep, they have a very loyal following. Yes. Mm-hmm. But then I got thinking about some of the other odd partnerships between vehicles and brands over the years. And there have been a few. Um, like, several of Ford's SUVs had, like, Eddie Bauer editions for a while. That one's even weirder. <laughs> Ooh, the Eddie Bauer edition expedition. Mm, I wear khaki pants and flannel and drive the truck. I think it was a, a Bronco in the 80s was the first Eddie Bauer edition Ford. Strange. And then they did several. They even did a Ford Aerostar like that ugly old van.
1: I have a cardigan around my neck. <laughs> Look at my <laughs> truck.
0: Yeah, Look at my Ford Aerostar. Interesting. The, okay, ooh, the it's Eddie Bauer Aerostar, edition. That, yeah. yeah. Okay. So I got looking into... Yeah, I found a few others that are, that are pretty funny. Um, like, for example... Have you ever seen? And I think I've even seen these on the road. The Call of Duty Edition Jeep Wrangler.
1: Oh my god, I have not seen that. No, that's amazing. Yeah, that would be pretty cool looking. I bet. I don't know what it says to the right world about you. I know that's strange, but a good
0: it shows you're a big into Call of Duty. I drive a Jeep. I do Jeep things, but I also game. Yep,
1: yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm a gamer Jeeper
0: i a a <laughs> hmm. Do you remember um, the Nissan Rogue Star Wars edition? The Nissan Rogue One? You see those around sometimes still, I too. don't know
1: if I've ever even seen that. They
0: just tried to make them look like stormtroopers. Okay. I'm look at this up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, there's some even funnier ones, like... Uh, I mean, it looks
1: pretty similar to the... Okay.
0: Yeah, it looks very, very similar. It's basically
1: just just a white version of the Rogue. (laughs) Look, it's Stormtrooper color. And then there's a black
0: one that I think is supposed to be...
1: Gotcha. Okay. Vader,
0: maybe? All right. Mm Mm-hmm. Subaru partnered with L.L. Bean for an edition of the Outback and the Forester. And I, I... Talk about understanding your brand. Holy Talk about crap. understanding your. Speaking
1: of flannel, I don't know wow. if there's
0: ever been like a greater overlap between two companies that have nothing to do with each other. Yeah, than Subaru and, and LL, Bean. LL Bean. It's yeah. the same people. That is it's the very same people buying. That both. one actually makes more sense. It makes perfect sense. And then my very favorite, uh, the have you ever heard of the AMC Gremlin? It was an absolute nope. piece of crap car back in the seventies. It's called a Gremlin. Yeah. <laughs> Holy, that's a great name too. <laughs> the, little Gremlin. Okay. Uh, well, anyway, they partnered with Levi's for a Levi's edition, where the interior was all denim. Holy crap! So you're driving a denim? I want that Gremlin.
1: I almost wish the outside was also oh, denim. Yeah, it would get like, absolutely filthy. <laughs> right, just. They say never to wash your jeans. Just put it in the freezer. So you can do that with your car too. I need. To, let's make that happen. Okay. Up out
0: back of a like, of a produce warehouse. Hey, can I park oh my, my, my denim God. gremlin in here for a while? She's getting a little ripe. Instead
1: of a trunk, it's just in the back pockets.
0: <laughs> you just stuff so. It's making a oh, man, it's, it's <laughs> such a piece of crap car to begin with. And then you get the denim version. These
1: are fake. Vers- what the hell? The Beckler and Shauna podcast. I've decided that I think surprise birthday parties need to die at Beckler. How come? And I'm saying this as somebody who has thrown a surprise party and have have been a part of quite a few. But I was talking to a friend recently about this. And both of us have been a part of a surprise party that has ended in tears Oh, and I mean, not the party itself, but sorry, I guess prior to the party has resulted in tears. And the reason is because a lot of the times the people who the party are being thrown for are then in the dark and they essentially think that all of their friends are ignoring them or they're trying to make plans themselves. And everybody is kind of trying to do the whole like, uh, no, I'm I can't, busy. I'm busy, you can't join this. And so for me, uh, it wasn't so much huge tears as it was just a friend that was Leading up recently, who thought that we were all ignoring a milestone birthday. And she was like amazing and went above and beyond for all our birthdays. And I think was feeling kind of like, well, nobody's doing anything (laughs) for mine. So so she was pretty hurt by that. And my friend said, no, two times fully. It was tears because the friends thought that no one was doing anything for these big birthdays. And she kept trying to arrange even just like a small gathering. And everybody was kind of like, oh, no, I can't make it. I think even the the party that I threw for my, my boyfriend, Cliff. So the plan was he was going golfing with some friends in the morning. And then when he came back from golfing, I was going to have all his friends waiting at the house. So he walked in the door and everybody was there for the surprise. That's cool. But his three closest buds were who he was going golfing with. So even like leading back up to the house, I guess he asked, he was just like, Hey, it's my birthday today. And we're not really doing anything. Like, does anybody want to just come in for a quick beer? Just, you know, and all the guys were like, ah, now, nah, and they all had excuses. No, I can't. And then he had this look on his face of defeat as he walked to the house. This, like, sad, devastated. Just all of his closest <laughs> friends were like, nah, no, we can't come for a quick, no, nah, we're out. And even the three seconds before he opened the door, like, that feel that hurt my soul to, to hear about. You Watching know I
0: mean? him, like, Charlie Brown, walk up to the door. Honestly, all sad. And he,
1: he wears his heart on his sleeve, and it was the most sad, like, like oh my God.
0: Like, uh, that's really funny.
1: And this kind of happens, I find, with all surprise parties that I've heard of. At one point, the person who the party was for
0: feels a little
1: crappy leading up.
0: They involve a lot of lies and deception. Yeah, I think a surprise party works really well if it's a type of person who doesn't expect anything for their birthday at all. Yeah, because if the person has any expectations, if they want their birthday to be a big deal, then mm-hmm. it's tough to pull that off. Because, yeah, but if you're the like. You know, I've, I've been on the receiving end of two surprise parties and I've never been a big birthday guy. Right. So it was like the one, it was the girl I was dating at the time. I thought we were just going to hang out and then everybody was at her house when I came over. So that was cool.
1: The problem is sometimes even those go, go badly because sometimes the person doesn't want a big party either. True. True. It was funny because I, for my one friend, I had this like decoy explanation as to what we were going to do because I said, I was like, I have to say something. I can't be a close friend and be like, we're not doing anything. So I had this lie of like, let's just do a low key kind of bar hop, you Mm -hmm. know, on 17th Ave and maybe, I don't know, pretend we're in Vegas or something. I said something like that and then. When the surprise party happened, she kind of came up to me after I was like, oh, I was kind of all prepared for the the decoy plan," And then I feel like I'm disappointing her for not doing that. I'm like, holy
0: crap. Yeah, it's tough to pull off well, and it's got to be the right person in the right circumstances, right? For
1: sure. I just find a lot of the times it doesn't go quite as well as maybe it could. Maybe it's time to eliminate those.
0: Poor Cliff. That's so funny. I
1: know. Just honestly, I still have that ingrained. It's the Charlie Brown. I need that tattoo. Just <laughs> Charlie happening with Brown. His head down. Sad. Sad. <laughs> <Cliff>. <laughs> the Backler and Shauna
0: podcast. Friend of the show, Paul, sent me this video from uh, an Instagram channel called Shred Nation. Amazing. Um, <laughs> excuse me. <clears throat> and the guy is uh, he's talking about how he, he's making fun of people who have perfect pitch and brag about having perfect pitch? I wish I was like more normal like you and I didn't have it. I'm always like hearing in colors. That's a B, that's Steve Perry's high note in Don't Stop Believing." Concert F sharp, Bruno Mars sings up there. Couple (laughs) cents flat. Still flat, still flat. It's like I can tell you if your singing tone is like really good. And I know you played in orchestras growing up, Shawna. Yep. Did you encounter any of the perfect pitch people?
1: I didn't, No, uh, really. It was funny, though, because when I was in violin lessons, my, um, my conductor, my instructor at the time, was asked to, trying to see if I had perfect pitch. Um, or how close I was, and he just play a note and be like, play it on the violin, and I don't have perfect pitch, but it was funny that he even tried to challenge me on that. I was like, that's funny.
0: We should explain, perhaps, to anybody who isn't musical what perfect pitch is. So, yeah, you
1: can detect the exact note. Like, you can tell these notes, and you can, like, name it right off the bat if you're musically inclined, but basically you can just tell if anything's out of tune.
0: Right. And I could say a note, and the person could sing it. Immediately, and, yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty incredible skill. It really is. Really, but... uh. Uh, Apparently some of them get a little snobbish about it. Oh, I can't imagine. Some of the people with perfect pitch, they're Mm -hmm. pitch snobs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Really, having perfect pitch is a bit of a curse. I can't enjoy music like most people can, as I'm always hearing elements that are out of tune. Oh,
1: no, I don't music at all anymore. I know I can sing more on key than any
0: musician, so it's ruined it. Well, when I started my car in the cold this morning, perfect A-flat major. I know that because I have perfect pitch.
1: (laughs) For the love of Pete, please don't speak. Your voice is D-flat, which is my least favorite key.
0: <laughs> well, I think my baby might have perfect pitch, too, because most babies cry like wah, wah, but my baby cries like wah. He's clearly aware of the tonality of his cries.
1: Let's play a game. Guess this note. Oh, Roll!
0: You guess the tone of my fart. What was that, huh? <laughs> huh? I know F- because I have that perfect was an pitch. Fart. about that one? No. <laughs> oh. The Beckler and Shauna podcast. Did
1: you know Beckler that there's a new Mean Girls movie out?
0: Yeah, I saw the advertisement for it just recently and I was excited because the original was great. I was a big fan of the original.
1: Uh, here's the thing though. People are criticizing it because apparently it has quite a few musical numbers in it.
0: Oh, that I didn't know.
1: I didn't either, until I was reading it, and I was like, oh, that changes things.
0: Yes, this displeases me.
1: Apparently, they intentionally are not marketing it as a musical, because they know that people don't like that. They think it would do badly for them, but there are quite a few musical numbers, and so people are a little bit upset about this, which, again, I, too, would be.
0: They did that with um, that new Adam Sandler animated movie about the lizard, Leo. Leo. They've done... That's also got a lot of musical numbers. It was still a good movie.
1: There are quite a but- few movies and shows that I've watched recently that just bust out into musical numbers. And I got to be honest with you, I'm not a huge fan of that.
0: No. No. No, if you hit me with a surprise musical, I'm furious. Why
1: are they doing this? Especially if, as this movie says, they know people don't want musicals. Why are we bust? Is it just to fill time? Like, it's like, wow, we've got a bit of a hole in the plot here. Let's put a musical number in the middle of it.
0: I think probably a lot of the people who make movies like musicals, musical theater background, that oh sort of my thing. my lordy B. But does the audience? I don't think so. No. So That's... it's a niche audience that likes a musical.
1: Can you imagine us just doing that? Like we're just no. walking away here and then all of a sudden we break into a song and people would not be liking this.
0: Specifically about what we're up to. That's Honestly. what I, I like, a mu- like I like music in a movie, obviously. Uh-huh. Yeah. I just don't like when they sing about what they're doing. I know. When they sing the plot to me.
1: I am on the radio. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> do you want me to sing to you? Like, no, no, I feel like nah, people I'm okay with that. are already that. turning dial right now.
0: Podcast. <laughs> I think, I think to me, musicals seem very self indulgent, if that makes sense.
1: Okay, but we have to, there's a difference between going to see a musical at Bro- in Broadway. Uh, a friend of the show mentioned this, lover of the show mentioned this uh, in via text, and I completely agree with that. Those are those are musicals that are designed to be that way. And like Mamma Mia, that kind of thing. Like these are that is very different to me.
0: As opposed to tricking somebody into seeing a musical? Yeah, and
1: kind of interjecting them and almost forcing them. Like sometimes they're just they seem forced into Mm -hmm. these productions, and that is very confusing to me. Because if you go see a musical on Broadway, it is very clear they will say a musical after (laughs) it. Mamma mia, the musical. Like it is very clear what you're getting into there. And then those are some very talented singers and dancers and stuff that go along with that and a lot of those plays are written to be musicals that is again very different than normal show and all of a sudden you're forcing you're shoehorning these musical segments into it
0: and they like you said they must know because they're disguising the fact that it's a musical in the marketing yeah because they know that it won't do as well at the box office if it's a musical.
1: And as you said, I, they're just doing it to what flex their flex their musical ability. Look what That's we can right. do. We can not only write a good show, but we can also do
0: musical numbers. You got to know that they're the triple threat. Hello,
1: my darling. You- hello, my darling. <laughs> yeah.
0: Seriously. Can you sing? Can you dance? Can you act? Are you the triple threat? Yeah. Uh, I'm. I'm none of that. I'm zero threat. Zero threat at all. Yeah, me too. Can't sing, dance, or act. Mm-hmm. No. Nope. <laughs> um, I think I've told you this story before, Shauna, but uh, I got sewered into seeing Sweeney Todd in theaters, which I didn't oh, know yeah. was a musical. Mm-hmm. And I sat down with my then-girlfriend at the time, and I had my my, my treats, my, my pop. And then the show starts, and they start singing, and I was like, what the shit? I had no idea this was a musical. Oh, okay. And then you're in, you're in it for the next two hours.
1: Mm-hmm. I Actually, speaking of... I saw Hamilton on Broadway in New York last year, and it was unbelievable. And again, that's something that... I signed up for and I was very excited about it. And it was great. It's designed to be a musical, okay? Unlike Sweeney Todd, where you're like, this is a movie. Ah, gotcha.
0: <laughs> Justin also mentioned, like, we were talking about how it's used in, in comedies. And Justin mentioned how, like, for a while, Family Guy was doing that. Like, they would have a musical number, and, just because, you know, Seth MacFarlane, I think, likes, likes musicals, and he can sing, and he's going to show that off. Yep. Uh, I feel like I'm a little more forgiving in a comedic context. I
1: agree with that, and I think also though it's not—it's normally just a, a short blip. It's not a full song, mm-hmm.
0: right? Like and it's already kind of absurd. Yeah. So
1: and it—it it sent in that way. It seems like it only happens that I've noticed when it is meant to be. It's natural. There's just so many shows that I've seen. Man, I wish I could remember the one TV show where it just happened all the time. It was like just about every episode had a full out musical number in it. It's not
0: Grey's Anatomy, is it?
1: Not Grey's Anatomy. Because
0: they've done some singing on that show, too. Have they? That's McKenna's favorite show. Sometimes I look over and she's watching it and they're singing. Why are they singing at that hospital? Yeah.
1: (laughs) And the first several episodes didn't have it. And then all of a sudden these musical numbers just started appearing. And I'm like, "What what happened here? I don't want that.
0: It's not what I'm here for. Oh,
1: sometimes there's weird animations though that I also I find are shoehorned into shows sometimes. That's another one that
0: confuses me. Like what?
1: Just a random animation of a certain thing that's happening in the show and like it's weird and it just happened and again I think it's to flex. Look, we can do a non-animated thing, and we can also do animation and musical numbers and it's
0: really weird. Yeah. Imagine if someone just started singing at you in real life. I know, seriously. I mean, I feel like, I feel like musical theater kids might. That's a terrifying thought. I'd be incredibly uncomfortable.
1: You'd be incredibly comfortable <laughs> if I just start singing to you.
0: Here's the thing, though. if you, Hello. If you are the triple threat and you want to flex your pipes, your musical theater pipes. Do you want to flex your pipes? <laughs> if you live in a Shane Holmes paired home... Your neighbors won't have to be subject to it. It's true. You can sing as loud as you want, but because they build their duplexes with next-level soundproofing, the neighbors won't, won't hear that. They won't hear that at all. Mm-hmm. Learn more at shanehomes.com. Uh, you can take the yell test, see some of the videos they've done of the yell test. It could also be the musical theater test. Shane Holmes...
1: The better way
0: to build. The Beckler and Shauna Podcast. An Instagram friend of mine posted this recently, and I wanted to get your take on it, Shauna. Okay. This was the quote. It said, normalize using words like colleague, classmate, acquaintance, old schoolmate, neighbor, client. Not everyone is your friend. But why? Is that something people are worried about? That is, I don't agree, actually. Being referred to as someone's friend?
1: I think that every I don't I don't see a problem with calling people friends who maybe are technically not. Yeah, friends I, I wonder
0: if I should have called this person an Instagram friend now. Maybe we're not
1: friends. Mm-hmm. I disagree. I think why would it not make more sense and be more beneficial to just be more friendly with everyone than less? You know what I mean?
0: I don't know. I thought it was an odd one That's too. Weird. I'm like. If somebody called me a friend who I didn't consider to be a friend, I don't think I would be offended. No. But like, oh, I think it's, it's nice better to go of that, of that way, way than the
1: other way. Somebody yeah. who you think is a close friend, and they're like, my acquaintance, Beckler. <laughs> like, excuse me?
0: <laughs> I'm going to start referring to you as my acquaintance, Shauna. <laughs> that would be pretty funny, yeah. My ah, co-worker you know, it,
1: only. My, my, <laughs> I wouldn't even know if acquaintance really does it. He's kind of like the... <laughs> A Distant acquaintance? I'm not sure. A acquaintance, a acquaintance might be once a little removed.
0: A little too familiar. <laughs> yeah, a little too close. Too close. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. I was like, wow. Yeah. Jeez, of all the things to get okay. offended by, my mortal enemy being called a friend.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't hmm. like that. I'm sorry. I think. I think that's silly. I think we need more love in the world, not less. Okay.
0: Where's the love? Yeah. The Black Eyed Peas said it best. Where
1: is the love? People I mean, actually, killing.
0: People dying. Children hurt, you see them crying. I'm
1: going to start referring to everybody as lover instead. (laughs) Just go one step above friends. This is my, maybe not you, that's weird. My lover. (laughs) The Beckler and Shauna podcast. We've been talking recently about scatting about (laughs) scatting in songs. I think we need to have more scatting back in songs. I
0: strongly disagree. No, I think
1: it's a great thing. I mean, not to the extent of the the old Christmas scat that happens in all these songs, because that's a lot. Uh, But now I've been listening to other songs, and I was like, I think there's scatting incorporated into music that you don't even notice at the time, but it is technically scatting. It's kind of the new age scat. Okay. And I've come up with another example, and I'm curious to see if you agree with me. I was listening to their Chili Peppers, Soul to Squeeze, and Anthony Kiedis at one point. He starts scatting.
0: River, back, no I call this
1: scatting. Absolutely. And then he jumps back into lyrics. Uh, but that is scatting. And when you think about it, the Chili Peppers have that in a lot of songs. He actually sure breaks do. into scat quite a bit. And I never really thought about it at the time, but that is scat.
0: I've heard stories of, you know, a, a singer will use scat as like a placeholder for the melody until they write lyrics for a song. And then it just sticks. It sticks. With him, because
1: he has such a weird way of singing, it's like his singing slowly progresses into scat in songs. And then eventually he just goes, it's just easier not to say words. But, like even there, you can hear it kind of escalate. Right? Like you can kind of hear the beat in his song And then he kind of slurs a couple words And then he'll get into the scatting It's like now I'm done singing entirely
0: It's sort of disorienting because when he's scatting I'm like, should I know what he's saying? I know It sounds like it should be words, but it's not
1: Yeah, and there's other examples of this And I was trying to recall what they were But I'll have to go through more and pick them out Because I know he kind of When he sings, sometimes you have to listen carefully to the lyrics. You're like, are those words or not? And then sometimes they are. But words said strangely and other times it's
0: Or is it scat? Is it it words or is it Scat? Also,
1: I can't help but every time we talk about Scat, think about the poop version of Scat every single time. Like honestly. I'm like, There's scat in this
0: song. The Beckler and Shawna Podcast. Well, Rachel Notley announced yesterday that she will be stepping down as leader of the Alberta NDP. Yeah. After a pretty strong run there. Totally. She was the premier for a while. Mm-hmm. She, uh, I mean, you got to think back however many years, the, the thought of the NDP ever forming government in this province would was have been laughable. Of. Yeah. And then under, leadership, she, under her leadership, they, she did just that. Which is crazy. Um, yep. She's been a fixture in Alberta politics basically the entire time I've lived in this province. Yep, absolutely. And I don't, to be, I don't know what the party is going to do without her. I know. Like, there's no clear successor, and some of the names that are being tossed around, in my opinion, are not her. Like, in my, in my mind, she kind of is the party right now. I agree, now. I know. And I think even among some of her critics, um, there are people who would be able to admit that they respected Rachel Notley as a leader. I, I agree. So the party's going to look a lot different no matter who takes the reins from here. But uh, I think you and I have a bit of a duty, Shauna. We do. Of course. Whenever someone or something comes to an end, mm-hmm. we like to eulogize. it. We, we say a few words in eulogy. Shauna, would you be so kind? Of course, yeah.
1: We are gathered here today to remember Rachel Nolly's time as leader of the Alberta NDP. She's essentially been the party for the past 10 years, taking it from just four MLAs to a majority government in under four years. That is no feat to shake a stick at. Throughout her time, she had some wins, announcing a minimum wage hike along the Lake Cancer Center. She was praised for her work during the Fort Mac fires and expanded Alberta's craft beer industry, which is key. She's also made some controversial decisions, introducing a new climate action plan and carbon pricing really pissed some people off. She angered the farmers who protested with pitchforks and then a Brooks golf tournament organizer used her giant face as a target. And then had to apologize.
0: I don't even remember that. I
1: know. Looking <laughs> at those things, okay. All in all, though, she was the driving force for the Alberta NDP, and without her, the party is really going to struggle, I think. So, going to miss you, Rachel Nolly. Eckler, do you have a Friend of the show, show too, hey? Yeah, friend of the show, Rachel Nolly. She I was do. on the show. That's me, friend,
0: automatically. Yeah, anytime you're on the show, Close you're a friend, friend of the show. Close That's friend. how it works. Yeah, we hang out. Yeah, I do have a musical show. You okay, good. Your time is up. Your time is up as leader. As leader. <laughs> Rage! You were the NDP Alberta leader. The leader. Wow. The Backler and Shauna podcast. Etymology with Shauna. I
1: said the word debunk yesterday and I was like, where does that come from? That's a weird one. Bunk as a whole, that's a word, is weird.
0: Debunk, too, because it's another one of those that you never hear the reverse no. you ever hear the non-negative version of
1: although uh that's bunk meaning like nonsense that was a slang term that i remember hearing quite a bit for a while we used to say that
0: for us it meant like boring and not for, nonsense it meant like uncool or boring okay. like if you for went us, to a party was, that was bunk oh. it was no good
1: no for us it was like non. it was just like crap it was it meant nonsense Ah, uh, yeah, different meanings, like, that's eh? that's that's meanings that's bunk that's crap kind of thing um, and then there is of course the bunk bed and that one is simpler so I looked into that first and bunk bed just is short for bunker uh, but it started as bunks and ships and that all kind of came from the word bench and just kind of transformed that way so fairly simple you can see where that all transformed Okay. Uh, but the word bunk in terms of non sense, which was how we use it again. I guess yours was boring, but uh, that comes from Buncombe County, North Carolina. And so what Bun- was going became, on there?
0: Well, <laughs> a bunch of bunch of nonsense
1: around 1820. The congressman for Buncombe County decided to give this extremely long winded speech to Congress. And the speech he gave had nothing to do with what was under discussion. He just decided he was going to stand up there and he stubbornly made the speech just to please the voters of Buncombe County. He was like, no, I need to do this. So after it went on for a while, everybody else in Congress was like, can you please stop now? Can you? <laughs> and he refused. And he said he was bound to say something that could appear in the newspapers in the home district and prove he was on the job. So he said it was for Bunkum that he would continue on the speech and then he just continued to speak in nonsense for a very lengthy amount of time. And immediately that just became a short form term in politics for any nonsense that political leaders would say or do. And it spread like wildfire beyond that.
0: The shortened version, bunk.
1: They just stopped instead of bunkum. That's Mm -hmm. too many syllables, of course. They shortened it to bunk. What year was this? Like, when did this happen? 1820. Okay. So it's been around
0: for a long time. Long time. Now, what about to debunk? Like, to disprove something? Because we never say, we never use the word bunk to prove something. No. Uh,
1: And they say that was kind of somebody who just took the, like, the nonsense term of it and then said, like, it was kind of to prove that it wasn't nonsense. You know, it kind of just added it on from the... The political version of, of bunk but that's kind of it like it somebody would, just added
0: on it would be wild to hear it the uh, used the other way to if someone's states. like i'm gonna i'm gonna bunk some myths here <laughs> i'm gonna bunk some theories i
1: know it doesn't work does it, it doesn't really work no you never hear it that way but yeah somebody eventually just added debunk and they just continued on with it
0: came from this one long-winded this one congressman con- who was just trying to con-
1: congressman was- who pissed off everybody in congress <laughs> yeah
0: etymology with shauna the Beckler and Shauna Podcast. So my wife, McKenna, God bless her. Um, she has this slightly irritating habit of leaving all the doors and drawers in our house ever so slightly ajar. Oh, yeah. So she'll like almost close a door, <laughs> almost close a drawer. Mm-hmm. So that, It's just
1: more convenient than to reopen it. I get it.
0: <laughs> it takes less power. Less She's power. She's really just conserving energy. That's just it. Yeah. So I, I walk through the house and I just am constantly closing all these doors and drawers that are open yeah. just a little what I did what I started doing recently is every time I'd have to close one I would whip out my phone and I'd take just like a split second recording of me close closing it. the door and the sound of it and then I put these all into a video I cut it all together uh and I was going for the same beat in that uh Nike street Ball commercial that used to air like oh, in yeah the early 2000s which mm-hmm. I think we talked about recently on the we show we did yeah Um, And this was, I made a video, I posted this video too, this is one of the most like painstaking things I've ever done. But it was worth it I think. So every sound you hear is the sound of me closing a door or drawer in our house. That was what I did. Amazing. <laughs> For-
1: um, that is good that use is of my time. Good, hey? Good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> the Bachelor and podcast. A Calgary heritage moment. <laughs> When you drive around Calgary's inner city, there's a specific type of building throughout that you've definitely seen, but probably thought little about. The low-rise multiplex.
0: These are all older-looking buildings that have a similar facade. They're often simple, rectangular in shape, made of brick that are just two floors above an elevated basement.
1: They normally have a central entrance in the middle of the building and symmetrical windows on either side. They reflect the style of modernist architecture at the time, which focused on practical use of space and lacks any sort of frills or ornamentation.
0: These multiplexes were built to serve Calgary's post-war era boom. After the war, the population of Canada exploded, leading to a housing crisis. A construction boom followed, and these small two-story multiplexes were a practical and easy solution.
1: They only took up one or two lots, but held between 12 and 18 units. There wasn't a ton of land downtown, so these units were a great way to help densify the downtown beyond single-family dwellings. There was also an aversion at the time to
0: large-scale apartment buildings, so this was a good alternative. And they popped up everywhere, and are still very prominent today. As these older units often lack elevators and in-suite laundry, they're some of Calgary's most affordable rental units still today. It's neat to think of these buildings as a Calgary-specific solution to a past housing crisis.
1: It's also interesting to see that the distaste for large-scale apartment buildings has always existed here. Although with Calgary's plans to rezone the city, we may see more of these low-rises pop up in place of single-family homes, and as the value of land increases, we may see these low-rises replaced by large-scale apartment buildings. This is- been a Calgary Heritage Moment.
0: You've been listening to the Beckler and Shauna Podcast. Brought to you by Shane Holmes, offering affordable customization on your new home.
1: You want more? Then tune in to X Mornings with Beckler and Shauna live
0: on Calgary's Alternative, X929, Monday through Friday, 6 to 10 a.m. Mountain Time at x929.ca. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and have Beckler and Shauna downloaded daily to whatever device you use. Later x after hours a weekly podcast that brings x afternoons with mariah and ty to another level of awesome It allows you to listen on your own terms go behind the curtain and hear the stuff you won't hear on the radio like they're gonna say f-ck. find x after hours wherever you get your podcasts
1: or on the x app